Good morning, church family. Happy Sabbath. A very special warm welcome to our visitors, and I hope you've been blessed by the music we've had this morning. Uh, the message that I have prepared with a lot of prayer is entitled Sprinkled Seven Times. And I'm not sure where your mind is going, uh, but before we start to analyze this topic, I'd like to uh, uh, ask you a question. Have you ever asked yourself, why did God ask the Israelites to place the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and on the lintel of their house before the tenth plague? I mean, why the doorposts and the lintel of their house instead of the door? Because no one is stopped from entering a house by the doorposts. That person is stopped by the door. So why not paint the blood, or why not paint the door with blood? I'd like to suggest to you this morning that the Egyptian uh, archaeology might give us an answer. And here's the interesting thing. All the Egyptians used to write the names of their family members on the doorposts and on the lintel of their house, believing that by doing that and by inscribing their names on the doorposts and on the lintel of their house, their identity will be preserved into eternity. For this very reason, pharaohs would make sure their names would, were chiseled in rock many, many times. But at the time of the Passover, the God of Israel said to the Israelites, between the lines, eternity is not secured by you writing your name on the doorposts or on the lintel of your house. But rather, eternity is secured by having your name covered with the blood of the Lamb. Can we say amen to that? Right there in the book of Exodus at Passover, we have righteousness by faith. It's not the things we do and the way in which we are enabled to, to write our name in the doorposts of our house and on the lintel of our house, but rather making sure our name is covered by the blood of the Lamb. You see, the, the Bible talks a lot about blood, and some people are turned off by blood. No blood here and blood there. Why is there so much blood? I do not have an answer, apart from saying that blood represents life and blood represents death. And I found this powerful quote from Ellen White where she says, in order to fully understand the value of what, everyone? Redemption, it is necessary to understand what it costs. You see, the value of an object, the value of a person is determined by the one who is willing to pay the price. And our value is determined by the one who is willing to pay the price, and that is Jesus Christ himself giving his own life to save us. You know, when I think of Jesus Christ on the cross, there's this statement that I've heard in the past that I'd like to share with you. Some of you might know it. If not, you get to hear it today. On the cross, in other words, Jesus said, I'd rather go to hell for you than live in heaven without you. I'd rather go to hell for you than live in heaven without you. Because what Jesus experienced on the cross, my friend, wasn't just a death. It was second death. It was hell. It was separation from the Father. The worst thing about hell is not the fire. The worst thing about hell is separation 
from God. And that's what Jesus Christ experienced for you and for me, so that none of us might have to experience that if we accept His precious gift, eternal life through Jesus Christ. I invite you to open your Bibles with me for our short meditation this morning in Leviticus chapter 16, uh, verses 11, we'll jump to 14 and then 19, and uh, this will uh, form the foundation for our discussion this morning, Leviticus is right at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 16, and I'll read to you verse 11, and then go to verse uh, 14, and then verse 19. This is what verse 11 says, Then Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. Everything is straightforward, maybe complicated for some of us, Look at verse 14. He shall take some of the what? Blood. Aaron shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger. How many times? Seven times. I just find it fascinating that here we have the high priest dipping his fingers in the blood and he goes before the very presence of God and he sprinkles the blood not once, not twice, not six times, but seven times. And things happen for a reason because all throughout the Bible, number seven is, is God's number and represents per completion, is perfect, nothing needs to be added. And here we have Aaron sprinkling seven times, pointing to a perfect sacrifice that was going to occur in the future. And to finish off this idea, verse 19, if you'd like to look with me, verse 19, same chapter, it says, He shall sprinkle some of the blood with his fingers seven times in order to do what? To cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. I find it interesting that that cleansing and that consecration came as a result of the high priest sprinkling the blood, how often? Seven, so, or I should say how many times? Seven times. But this is just a springboard for our discussion because I'm not trying to make a huge theological uh, debate this morning, but I'd like to suggest to you this morning this that on the way to the cross, and on the cross, Jesus shed His blood seven times. As I said, I'm not trying to create a huge theological point, but I like this, uh, this similarity from high priest Aaron sprinkling the blood seven times before the presence of the Lord and our own Savior shedding His blood in seven different instances on the way to the cross to bring not only forgiveness for all of us, but also to bring deliverance from sin because He was seeking to recreate us in His divine image because we sing that mighty and powerful hymn that says, there is power in the blood power to forgive and power to recreate you and to recreate me into the divine image. So before we finish this morning, I just want to briefly uh, bring these passages before you. And the very first place where Jesus shed His blood on the way to the cross is the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Time does not allow us to, to, to actually read the passages. Look, what I'm doing at the moment, I'm just, you know, waiting your appetite. You can continue this study at home and feel free to write down the Bible references. But we know in the Garden of Gethsemane, in His agony, Jesus started to sweat blood. He was fighting the battle that Adam and Eve lost in the Garden of Eden. And him in the Garden of Gethsemane won the battle. And what was the battle all about? I believe the battle was around the question, who are you going to trust? Adam and Eve trusted Satan. And in the Garden of Eden, Jesus himself trusted God. And one of the biggest temptations that you and I are faced with is doubt. We attempted to doubt. We attempted to doubt the promise where God says, I will receive you just as you are. We attempted to doubt the promise that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We attempted to doubt the promise that God will be with us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We attempted to doubt God's love when death comes into our family, when cancer surrounds us. We attempted to doubt that God is still in control. And on that, in that garden, Jesus sweated blood. He shed His blood that we may be healed from the doubt. And learn to trust God. He shared not only to forgive, but to give us a new mind that will learn to trust the Lord. The second place where Jesus shed His blood on the way to the cross is before the Sanhedrin. Before the Sanhedrin, there were many witnesses brought, and they started to testify, falsely testify against Jesus. And when Jesus spoke the truth... There are various passages and various instances, and they give us a, a different background. In one instance, we are told that the, the, the guards, they grabbed rods, and they started to, to beat Jesus over his mouth with the rods. Other translations say they punched him. Other translations say they slapped him over the face. Now, let me ask you, what happens when someone starts punching you in the face? You start bleeding, my friend. You start bleeding. And Jesus bled when He spoke the truth. And He bled for you and for me because there have been many instances when you and I have spoken a lie. Do you remember the time when He gossiped about someone? Do you remember the time when He stabbed someone? Do you remember the time when He covered someone's reputation with mud? Do you remember the time when you used your tongue to bring happiness to Satan, but sadness to God? James, the apostle in the Bible, tells us, tongue is full of deadly poison. And there are many instances when we have used our tongue, sadly, not to bring glory to God. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus shed His blood even from His mouth that we may receive forgiveness for our sins that we have committed with our mouth, but also that we may receive a new spirit to speak the truth at all times. The third instance, Jesus shed His blood at the weeping post. They started to scourge him, and they used the, 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 the Roman whip that had nine strands. And on each strand, he had metal, pieces of metal, pieces of bones, and a, a piece of lead right at the tip. It was devised to really kill you. 
And Isaiah, the prophet, tells us, by His stripes we are healed. My friends, the reason why in the 21st century we can come before God and in the name of Jesus Christ pray for someone's healing is because Jesus was obedient even to the point of death. He was scourged that I may receive healing, spiritual healing, but also physical healing. And that physical healing may not always come when we want it, but it will definitely come when Christ will return. So the assurance is there. The fourth place where Jesus shed his blood is when the soldiers placed the crown of thorns. You know, just try to picture that crown of thorns as it's pressed upon the head of Jesus. What do you think started to happen to his forehead? Jesus started to bleed. And, you know, there's nothing uh, that is random in the Bible. Thorns here in this instance are meant to take you to the Garden of Eden that came as a consequence of sin. And it was a reminder of why Jesus had to go through this. Jesus chose to, to have the crown of thorns upon His head that you and I may have the right to wear the crown of glory, the crown of life. He had that curse upon him that you may and you and I may have the right to eternal life. He sprinkled his blood the fourth time, cleansing and consecrating our lives. The fifth time I'd like to suggest to you is when the cross was placed upon him. The weight and the pressure of the cross was upon his shoulder. He was already beaten, he was already bleeding. But guess what? When you have that massive piece of of wood on your shoulders, and it presses, heavy weight pressing on you, guess what happens? You keep bleeding. And Jesus carried the burden of the cross that you and I may go through life without the burden of sin. He carried that burden that we can fully understand the promise that says, cast all your burdens upon Him, for He cares for you. My friend, if you're here and you've got burdens, maybe your marriage is a bit rocky, maybe your health is not the best, maybe you're even considering throwing God out of your life. If you've got burdens here, Jesus carried the burden of the cross that you may go through life without these burdens. So allow Him to take the burdens off your shoulders. The sixth place where Jesus bled, sprinkled His blood as if He was consecrating and cleansing this world was right on the cross when His hands and His feet were pierced with those nails. And I'd like to say to you this morning that Jesus stayed on that cross not because the nails kept Him there. Would you agree with me? He didn't stay on the cross because of the nails. He stayed on the cross because He loves you and He loves me. And His hands were pierced that we may receive forgiveness for the sins we have committed with our own hands. My friends, what, what's happening here on the way to Golgotha, God is taking hold of our entire being, of our mind, of our mouth, of our life, of our hands. 
and with our feet. I'm not sure about you, but there have been times in my life when I have walked away from the Lord. And because Jesus' feet were pierced and blood gushed out, I know I can have forgiveness for the times when I have walked away from God. And today we can have our hands and our feet anointed that we may use them only to bring glory and honor to God. And lastly, as we finish, the seventh place where Jesus shed His blood is when His side was pierced. And in the gospel, we are told that out of His heart there came blood and water. And the medical world tells us that Jesus died from a broken heart. He died from a broken heart that you and I may have a new heart. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take this heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Just like the high priest took the blood of the bull and sprinkled before the presence of God in the tabernacle seven times, I'd like to suggest to you this morning that there were seven different instances where Jesus shed His blood because He wanted to bring not only forgiveness, but He wanted to recreate us in His image. Jesus sweated blood so we can get to a point in life where we stop doubting Him and we can start trusting Him. Jesus was struck over His mouth that we may have sanctified lips. Can we say amen to that? Jesus was scorched that we may be healed by His stripes, receive healing from sin and sickness. Jesus received the crown of thorns that we may have a restored identity so we can receive the crown of life. Jesus carried the cross so we may cast all our burdens upon Him and be set free from the burdens of life. Jesus' feet and hands were pierced that we may experience complete consecration. And lastly, Jesus' side was pierced that you and I may have a new heart. My friend, the seven places where Jesus shed His blood point to our restoration. And it is my appeal to you this morning that as we consider to partake of the bread and the wine, that we will invite Jesus Christ not only to forgive us for the sins we have committed, but we will invite Him that He will make us whole again. From mind to lips to hands and feet to heart and to our entire being will belong to Him now and forevermore. Amen? Remember, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. Today, at the table of grace, at this table of communion, we have the opportunity to be in Christ and to be a new creation. Amen. Please join me with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, 
we want to thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he stayed on that cross until the end, that we may receive forgiveness and power to live a new life in him. Lord, please make us whole again and mold us into the image of Jesus, we pray. Amen.